Hey everybody, welcome to episode 45 of the Masterclass. As always, I am Cam and I am here with my good friend Dave. This is our show. It is our show. So we welcome you. Yes, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, we're happy you're here. And we are happy to be here. Yes. Are we not, Dave? We are happy. Yes. All right. Uh, how's it going? It's going quite well. Yeah. Been busy. Yeah. Life. Done Done with the holidays. Yeah, holidays are over. Caroline's gone. And kind of back into the rhythm of things once again. So, Well, that makes one of us. I'm about to switch branches at work. So change. So yes, change is in the air for me. But anyhow, enough about us. <laughs> we don't really have anything else we're going to talk about besides our main topic today. This is true. Uh, other than to say, we're glad you're listening. So Dave. Yes, sir. Would you do us the honors and uh, read the Bible for us, please? Absolutely. So we are at Matthew 12, verses 38 through 42. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered, but he answered them, and even... Oh, boy. <laughs> you can do it, Dave. I believe in you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So there we are. Thank you, sir. Yep. So I have to be honest here. My mm-hmm. initial reaction was that Jesus seems angry. Do you think that that is the case? Do I think he is angry? I, you know, um, the angry is not what I thought. I thought annoyed. Um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of. Um, the Pharisees coming to him, you know, calling him teacher, kind of giving this, they're giving him this polite, uh, almost, uh, boy, I don't know, is, does, does Eddie Haskell even <laughs> resonate with people anymore? Gee, Mrs. Cleaver? <laughs> um, so the TV show Leave it to Beaver, uh, Eddie Haskell was the boy's friend down the street who... Uh, you know, whenever he would see Mrs. Cleaver, the 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 mom, uh, he would butter her up with compliments and insincere uh, flattery, and uh, then as soon as she was gone, he was the one that was kind of creating the mis- the the mischief that the boys would get into, and so uh, yeah, so I think there's there's just that element going on of him getting annoyed with them on that, and then I think there's also. Maybe just even a little bit of this, you know, I'm, I'm here to do something and you guys just kind of want to, uh, you, 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 I think he really kind of feels like it's, you're wanting to play games. Um, now, you know, granted a couple of weeks ago, we were 
or was that last week? <laughs> it, it all runs together sometimes, but not that long ago we were talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and things like that. So uh, maybe even playing games is a bit um, too cavalier with what is going on. Um, but he sees through their insincerity. So I don't know. Did you? What What made you kind of feel like he was angry? Well, I mean, you just take a look at you know. I took a page from your book and and backed up to what had already happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, last week was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but before that was the Pharisees saying that he's casting out these demons by the devil. So he's per- he's giving them their sign mm-hmm. that says, "Hey, look what I can do." Right, and their reaction is, "You're casting out demons by the devil," and he chops that down in you know two mm-hmm. swipes. But then, not you know, very many verses later, after he kind of goes off on them about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that sort of stuff, they come back and are like, "Teacher, show us a sign." So all, all of a sudden, he's not this you know satanic guy casting out demons. He's a teacher again, and they're asking for a sign. And I kind of think he's just like, "Are you kidding me? Right? What was I just doing?" Mm-hmm. And then that's when he says, you know, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given except for the prophet, sign of the prophet Jonah, and I'm better than Jonah, and the queen of the south, and I'm better than Solomon. And, and he's like, if you want your sign, just open your freaking eyes and look what's going on around you. Kind of like his response to John the Baptist's disciples. The blind can see, the uh, lame can walk, the sick are healed, the, like, what what else do I have to show you mm-hmm. for you to believe that I am who I say I am? Just look at what is going on around you and you will realize something crazy is happening. And so I just, that's why I, I read that and maybe, you know, I'm imparting my own, just <laughs> like, open your eyes, ah, my own anger. And maybe anger is too strong of a term. I I feel like more than annoyed. Uh, I think he's probably frustrated, maybe, if we can land somewhere in the middle between anger and annoyance. Um, (laughs) Or the old dad quote, I'm not angry. I'm just (laughs) disappointed. Um, But I just get this sense of like, he's, and he he quotes Jonah and Solomon, I think, in the Queen of the South specifically, because those are two very prominent, well-known Old Testament stories and people, right? Mm -hmm. And these are Pharisees and scribes that are going to know the scriptures backwards and forwards. Yep. And so he's picking out two people there. When he says Jonah, they immediately know the entire story. And when he brings up Nineveh, they know what Nineveh came Mm -hmm. from and that they all repented. And then Jonah was super mad about it. (laughs) And they know that Solomon was the wisest man on the earth. And they know all. And then when he says, I am greater than Jonah and I am greater than Solomon, they fully understand the space that he is putting himself into. And so how can they ask for a sign when he has already done, done all of these crazy things? Right. So I just think, I mean, that would be like walking up to LeBron James and being like, Hey, we don't think you can slam dunk. Can you slam dunk for us? And then he just looks as do you not watch Sports Center? Do you not have you not watched any basketball in the last twelve years? You seen Michael well, I'm not gonna say Michael Jordan, but you you've seen, you know, <laughs> all of these other basketball yeah, players he, and I'm better than they are. And you're you, asking ladies. me if I can slam dunk. I'm six foot eight, I can almost touch the rim standing up, and you're asking me if I can slam dunk. Are you kidding me? Why don't I slam dunk you through the net, pal? And so I, I don't know if I'm just 
putting my emotion onto that or not, but it just seems to me like he could have responded differently, but he chooses to go on the offensive here. Sure. Which he does in, I don't want to say only, but when he goes on the offensive, usually it's because he's flipping the tables over or calling the Pharisees a brood of vipers like he did last week. Yeah. So basically you're saying Jesus is not Mr. Rogers. Oh, no. I don't think Jesus ever rocked a cardigan. <laughs> Although I'm sure he could. He could. Yeah. Not not prime desert uh, wardrobe there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that... It, I guess I'll put it to this way. I think he is more likely that he is angry or upset or annoyed. Has that like human sort of negative reaction to these people. His temperature starts rising. Yeah. Versus being, well, won't you be my neighbor? You know, I, I think, and that's so, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't think people realize just who Jesus really was. I think we do make him out to be this nice guy that, you know, never got angry and never got upset and never looked at anybody, you know, crossways and, uh, this is, I, I, I think you're, I think both, I, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Jesus was a real human being. And I do think you're right. His, his, his blood began to boil. And I think he got, um, he had that very real reaction to this, a very real human reaction. Now he didn't let it get the best of him to the point that he sinned. Yeah, I don't think he went all Gordon Ramsay in Hell's Kitchen yeah, on him. No, but. <laughs> which that's borderline crazy. Um, yeah, so. psychotic. But all so, right. Yep. So, is it is it wrong for the Pharisees to ask him for a sign? Because I think this gets lost in his response. Because this is the one line the Pharisees have, and this, oh, that's an iPhone down. Are you all right? Are you going to cry, Dave? No, because I actually gave. Caroline has the new one. This is the old. <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. It's already cracked, so. Uh, anyhow. Sorry. It's quite all right. Uh, this is the only um, thing the Pharisees say this whole section. And then Jesus goes on his response. Is it is it okay for them or for us to ask for a sign? And yeah, what would what what does sign mean? Well, I, feel and I like guess we that should was clarify that. Well, yeah, and that was, um, boy, now there's, um, is it wrong to ask for a sign? Is it wrong for us to ask for a sign? Is it wrong for the Pharisees to ask for a sign? Is there a difference between the two? And what is a sign? Uh, you know, I, I think. In general, across the board, I don't think it is wrong uh, to ask for a sign. Now, what the context here is, is what we've already discussed, is that if you've already received a sign, then it's probably not the best thing to do. Um, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking about Gideon. Uh, in the Old Testament, where he put the fleece out, oh, that's what I was, thinking and of, yeah. and he put it out like 
four different times, maybe. I don't. And he kept changing the stipulation. <laughs> yes. Now, it'll be if wet. the top is wet and the bottom is dry, <laughs> then I will do this. But if the top is dry and the bottom is wet, yeah. so we'll have to reference Gideon in the in the notes because I don't know that I could find Gideon very quickly. Um, Second Genesis, I believe. Is it, it's it's fairly early on, uh, and, and so. Uh, like a second Genesis would be fairly, right? <laughs> Except it's not even a real book. Would oh, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, said, second Genesis. Oh, I'm thinking boy. Genesis two. Oh boy, it is. Oh. It's it's one of those nights. <laughs> second Genesis. <laughs> I get it now. Okay. Oh, oh boy. Sorry, so I'll, I'll have second Genesis in the show notes. <laughs> uh, yes, that and first hesitations are my favorite. <laughs> First, anyway. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I think I think at, the question is is what is the motivation of the heart when you're asking for that sign? And if you're a believer and you're just that is where you're at, of just Jesus, I need a sign. I need something from you. No, I don't think that's wrong. And again, uh, not just Gideon, but there 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 are other people that. Um, Throughout the Bible, have asked for a sign, and God gives them uh, that sign. The context here is, as we were just talking about, the Pharisees have seen the sign; they have seen it over and over and over and over again, and yet they're asking for a, another sign. And I think in this particular instance, the sign that they are asking for is they are asking for some sort of a. Uh, uh, divine intervention, manipulation of the physical world, which so, he's clearly not done yet, no. like on multiple occasions. No, and the sign that he answers them with is, in a sense, prophecy. He's he's going back to the book of Jonah and saying, "Well, I'll give you a sign, um, and this is the sign that that I'm going to give you." And uh, so you know. Kind of again, um, as it coming and back and applying it to us of uh, God, give me a sign. I think He honors that, especially if we're in this place of um, acknowledging our brokenness, our weakness, our need for the Savior, our need for a Savior, our need for uh, the Messiah. Um, but if we're in that relationship with him where we're walking with him, um, we've experienced him before and we constantly are asking for that sign, I think he's going to start to ask, what is your motivation? Is your motivation um, to know me and to love me and to be in relationship with me? Because, you know, we've given a million examples of being in a relationship with somebody. And I think there are signs in terms of, you know, Hopefully you're saying I love you to the, somebody that you're close to, and there's there's an outward expression of your love to each other. But I'm not constantly asking my wife for uh, give me a sign. You know, I, I need to, I, I need to know, and I'm sure she's gonna be like, "Well, I gave birth to two of your children. I put up with you." You know, there's there's plenty of evidence that I shouldn't have to ask for a sign. And I think it's similar to that uh, with Jesus and God. We shouldn't just be thinking of a faraway God. Uh, but realizing that there's this relationship that, that that we're in with him, so agreed. All right, so let's move on to verse forty. So he references the sign of the prophet Jonah, and then I was like, "Oh, what does that mean? That's a weird reference." And then he says, "For 
Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, so this has got to be a super weird thing to hear if -hmm. you're the Pharisees. Like, bro, we just asked you to, like, do something weird, you know? And now you're saying that you're going to be buried in the earth? What it like? Mm-hmm. And and I don't remember off the top of my head if this is the first reference he makes to being buried or not. I can't remember, and I'm not going to look it up right now. But what – I think this is an important thing because when you – you know, when I read the story of Jonah, the idea of Christ – being buried and raised again never really comes to mind. No. Because I'm stuck on the fact that, like, is he really inside of a fish? <laughs> I mean, did this really happen? Yeah. And, you know, I, I and then I get fascinated by the fact that Jonah gets super mad. I don't want the Ninevites to, you know, repent and be saved. And, and, and he acts kind of like a prima donna. And I get caught up in that whole aspect of the story. And so when I read this, I'm just kind of like, oh, there's so much of the Old Testament that yes. foreshadows what Christ has come to do mm-hmm. if only we look for it. Yes. And if only we pay attention to the themes of the stories and the narratives and the way that God has interacted with humans and all that stuff leading up to all of a sudden, in hindsight, Jesus makes a whole lot more sense. And so what is interesting about this to me is that these people know that Old Testament, like I said earlier, Backwards and forwards. Right. They are the premier um, experts on this stuff. And so when he drops the Jonah um, reference, they immediately know the whole story. And I know that I'm kind of repeating myself here. But I think what's interesting to me is that when I read Jonah, I never would have equated it to Christ being buried and risen. So I can only imagine how jarring that would have been for the Pharisees and scribes hearing that. Because guess what? I know the New Testament. I have a master's degree in, you know, that. And I still struggle with that connection just off the top of my head. So I can I can only imagine they were just like, what is this guy talking about? Right. Um, yeah, because I'm with you. When I hear the story of, of uh, Jonah and the whale, uh, whale, Jonah and the big fish, I guess we don't know if it's a whale or not. Um but when you hear the story of Jonah, I'm with you. I don't see it as a positive that he's inside that fish. He is inside there because he was going to run away. He was he's not punished. Yeah. He was not going to do what he knew he was supposed to do. And God intercedes and says, no, you're going to get there one way or the other, even if I have to have a giant fish swallow you and take you there and then vomit you up on the beach. But Sounds like a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Normal, normal. Okay, quick aside. Do you think when God ordained for the fish to go eat Jonah that he said, release the Kraken. Cause that'd be really cool. <laughs> Picture Liam Neeson saying in that. his very own way. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so I guess, I mean, we should, you know, maybe talk about the whole, like, you know, resurrection thing while we're here. Well, I, I kind of have one of your little questions that you always throw at me that I'm going to throw at you. Oh boy. I don't think I've done that really oh, yet. Have I? I don't know. What's your question? <laughs> My question is, was Jesus really in the earth for three days and three nights? And oh, what do you mean by really? Well, how many nights was he actually there? When was he crucified and when did he raise from the dead? Well, it says they found that on the third day they went to Marion. Yeah, but how many nights was that? 
I don't know. It was Friday night and it was Saturday night. Two nights. So do you get hung up on that? <laughs> Let's see. For Augustus Jonah was three days and three nights of the soul of the man with three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, so he was... On the third day he rose, which was Sunday, right? Yes. So Friday, Saturday. So he spent Thursday night in the grave because he got crucified at sunset, right? On Thursday? Right. He got crucified at sunset? I thought it was, I thought it was good Friday. How oh, was it Friday? <laughs> so Friday night, Saturday night. Oh. And the thing I do know is I do know that, you know, the Jews, all that's kind of funky. So what's Monday, Thursday about then? The Last Supper. Ooh. Monday, Thursday is the Last Supper. And that's the night that he gets taken in the garden. And then he gets crucified the next day, which is Friday. So, yeah, he's in the ground Friday night, Saturday night. Well, but on the third day, so does the third day mean Monday morning? Because you got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the third day. I, I'm not trying to make a loophole. I'm just trying to understand the language. I just... I. I why are you going to ask questions like that? <laughs> and I guess my my thing is, is um, I personally find it very interesting, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, and I don't want to completely go down this rabbit trail, but I find it interesting that when it comes to this particular, um, you know, the three days and the three nights sort of thing, we, we don't, Christians in general... Uh, don't get hung up on it being a literal day and three days and three nights. But yet when we talk about the creation story, oh God, here we where go. there isn't a night and there here isn't a go. day and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> people get very hung up on that. Yep. And so um, I just, I, I don't have an issue with it. I really, like I said, it's it's probably down a rabbit trail that's that's not all that. I'm giving it to myself as homework right now. That, that critical. Note. Um, but I just... I. It, and I think ultimately what it boils down to is there's definitely this kind of the idea of a day is very different than what we uh, we're so consumed by a 24 hour clock and that sort of thing, which they didn't have back then. Well, I, I would say that that uh, frame of thinking is way more applicable to the creation story because that whole thing, right. e- even if you compare Genesis one to Genesis two, Mm-hmm. There are discrepancies, right? So I don't know how Ken Ham deals with that. I'd love to hear his defense about why those two are different and they're done in different orders, because they're told and framed as this narrative that makes it easier to remember. It's a illustration of, mm-hmm. of how God did it, right? Right. Uh, I, let's put it this way: if you can, if you can convince me that that God created the world in seven. Uh, 24 hour days. I, I don't know what I will do, but I will give you something special because it's going to take an act of God for you to get me to think <laughs> that. Um, that being said, this situation seems a lot different to me. And I would agree with you on that, that. That he is referencing three physical days because days exist at this point. And Jonah, I mean. So the definition of a day is actually more important in this in what situation. We're talking about, yeah. And yet we don't get hung up on it the way it seems like we get hung up. And and I say we. That's because humans are dumb, and we pick. We, no, but like we. <laughs> oh we, no, no, no! I'm laughing because I agree. We pick, and our I battles, include right? myself yeah. in that. Oh, me so. too. I I do dumb <laughs> things all the time, like root for the lions. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I I say all that to make the point that I think that the definition of a day is way more 
um, accurate to how we view it in this passage than it would be in Genesis mm-hmm. 1. So, yeah, all that to say, I am going to research that this week because now I'm annoyed. Now you're annoyed. So thanks for that, pal. Not a problem. And while you're there, uh, does being in a tomb equal being the heart of the earth? That's the other part I want to know. Well, and does that <laughs> reference... Th- does that reference the passage where it says that God went down into, or Jesus went down into hell? And oh man, why have you got me on this? <laughs> <sighs> Research the amount of time he was. I'm just leaving myself a note right now, everybody, on my iPad. And did Jesus go to hell? Yes. And then talk uh, about awkward. Imagine if you're down there and he just strolls in like, What's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be the most uncomfortable thing ever. Yes. It's well, like you're doing all this heinous, debaucherous stuff, and he walks in, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You just feel terrible. That would be so awkward. It's like you're watching a movie, and like the two seconds of the sex scene that takes up the whole movie is right when your mom walks in. <laughs> like, the rest of the movie's PG, I swear. And it's not why I'm watching it. I know. <laughs> There's other reasons. It's really good. The acting is top notch. The plot twist is incredible. If you want to know more about movies, listen to our upcoming podcast. It's a trap. Hey, nice plug. Hey, thanks. Totally shameless, too. All right. Back. Oh, yeah. We can't. Definitely. So. All right. So I am going to do some research on the amount of time Jesus was buried and if he went to hell while he was buried to talk to people, man, I'm glad I brought that up. (laughs) All right. And then he says in 41, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. I kind of feel like this should be a punch to the gut of the Pharisees. If they're at all remotely paying attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because Nineveh, like there was a reason Jonah was running away. He did not want to go there because it was not a nice place. And and uh, similarly, we've talked about, think about some of the worst people that you can think of. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about the Good Samaritan. It's like, who could you replace with the Good Samaritan? Same with the, the Ninevites here. Think of the worst of the worst. And so... Um, or just think of Americans. Well, but no. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's another. Yay, patriotism. So, but again, it, it you know, it, it would truly be like, you know, your worst enemies and the people that you just think are the worst people on earth. Are um, the ones that are going to condemn you even though you think you're the most godly people mm-hmm. around. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of, I think, parallels here between, like, say, conservative Republican Christians and extremist Islam, uh, Muslims. But see, and I would, I, I, I might even, that's where the I... The only difference being that the Ninevites repented and came to Christ. Or right. not Christ, came, and, came to God. And Ninevites, it, um, it really wasn't about religion for them. I, and I could, I'm speaking a little bit out of ignorance and poor memory here. Um, they weren't necessarily a religious people. They didn't have a different religion or... or no, they were just a... And have a moral. It was... Um, they were just there. They were just there and they were a rough crowd, kind of, mm-hmm. is more how I have always recalled that. So, 
And like yeah, you said, maybe, maybe the plug to extreme Muslims was a bit much. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know that it was a bit much, but it's, it's like, I, I'll put it this way. It's more like, you know, going into the heart of the worst biker gang that you can think of and just telling them, Hey, you all need Jesus and you need to repent right now. And, and the worst, actually do the it. worst, the meanest, the just, you know, hardcore barkers that you can think of go, you're right. We do need to repent. And they repent and, uh, you know. And then those are the folks that are going to condemn. The Pharisees. Yeah. Yes. The the godly, righteous, better than everybody else. Yep. Super. So that's fun. That is fun. And again, like you said, if they're paying attention, he basically is saying, Pharisees, the Ninevites repented. You need to be doing the same thing. Yeah. It just... And this is going to sound pretty obvious, I think. It just seems that at any at any opportunity he gets, Jesus is constantly trying to knock them down to their knees. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take their pride in who they are, their status in society, their knowledge of Scripture, um, their position in, in you know um, the synagogue, and trying to humble them at every opportunity because I can't imagine him talking to them that way and them still feeling like, you know, super good about themselves. They probably just got angry at him. And, you know, like they said, uh, you know, oh, you're doing this by Satan because that you're just awful. Right. Um, but I just think, you know, if you, if you watch what Jesus says and how he teaches and how he treats people that think they're better than that, other people, he's consistently attacking their pride with biblical examples of why he is different and they need to get on board. And I don't know about you, Dave, but I don't have the personality or charisma to pull that off with other people. I can't just walk up to people. (laughs) I can't just walk up to people and attack their pride because I'm not God. I don't have the, you know, and, and it got him killed. So, like, there's a good reason for me not to try and do it. <laughs> um, but what what I'm curious about is is how can we as Christians take this same um, desire to defend God, the same desire to share the truth, and the same desire to open people's eyes to what's really going on um, without necessarily having the ability to attack people's pride like that or am i missing the whole boat here and should we be doing this stuff and just calling people out uh i the the first thing that i would just say is that and i'll speak for myself here is that in this story uh, as i'm listening to this and hearing jesus talk I am probably closer to the Pharisees than just about anybody so i'm i'm personally probably one of the people that's like Make sure your pride is not getting the best of you and thinking that you're better than all these people uh, because I'm not and um, continually need to come before God and ask for forgiveness and to repent and to change. The second piece of that in terms of speaking out I don't, I guess ultimately, I don't know. Um, 
because we don't, uh, my experience has been, I don't encounter that a whole lot in terms of um, a, a religious group thinking they know about God and what's right and kind of holding that standard up and it being about uh, religion. Um, so, huh. I don't know. I guess that uh, this is going to be one of those times where I'm just going to say I don't know. Um, because in in the back of my brain, I guess what I'm thinking is, is I know I should be bolder about my faith and speaking up um, when I don't always speak up as I should. And I'm not, there's nothing, I, I'm not recalling anything real concrete or an example to kind of think of right now where I experience that. Um, so I don't know if that's a weak way out on that one. <laughs> no, it's just something that I was thinking about as we, um, you know, we're, we're discussing all this stuff and there's just the, you know, as we try and, you know, as we often say, you know, we want to know what Jesus did and said and, and why it matters today. And I was just thinking, you know, what is the, what is the modern, uh, not equivalent of the situation, mm -hmm. but, but what, what can we learn from Jesus attitude towards people that think they have the truth about God mm -hmm. and scripture but are clearly mistaken. Right. And, you know, if you, if you take a look at the way that Jesus treats the Pharisees, um, there are times when he is calm. There are times when he calls them out. There are times when he gets really angry. And then there are times where he doesn't. And, you know, and so it's hard to be like, you know, draw direct parallels from then till now. Um, but this idea of of calling inappropriate pride out to me just kind of stuck out because I just think there is – I'm trying to choose my words carefully here, so if I speak slowly, please forgive me. But I just think that there is, there is an inherent pride – in being American. Uh, yes. And I think that we live in a time where being told that you are wrong oh, is, yeah. <laughs> is offensive. And I'm just trying to figure out how as Christians we are to navigate this... Um, Pride and um, you can't judge me type of attitude that, you know, our culture tends to um, want as the norm. And so that's why I see something like this and I'm like, man, if I did that to somebody, like that just would not go. And clearly this didn't go well, but Jesus, you know, knew the end game and, and I don't have that luxury. And I frankly, um, you know, don't want to get the crap beaten out of me by a bunch of people. 
um, if I just walk around and just, you know, shooting, you know, pride bombs everywhere. So I just, something I was thinking about and just wanted to get your thoughts on, because this is like, it's, it, to me, it's like that, the struggle that, that I feel of, um, how different do I need to be from culture Mm -hmm. because I'm a Christian? What parts of culture can I accept and partake in? What parts should I reject quietly? What part should I reject loudly? How, what what does that balance look like? And how do I how do I um, contribute to changing culture? Um, and it's to me, it's the the older I get, the more and more I wrestle with this because I I don't know if. Jesus wants us all to get murdered for what we believe in. Like, I don't think that's what he wants everyone to do. Right. But he also set this example of calling it like he sees it mm-hmm. and never backing down from the truth and always being there to challenge the status quo with God's truth. Now, obviously Jesus had a very specific mission. Mm -hmm. He was sent here for one purpose and he knew that purpose. I do not believe that I've been called to earth to die on a cross for everyone's sins. That's already, that job's already taken. It's not on indeed.com anymore. Like it's already (laughs) filled. So I'm just trying to, how how do I, and I'm sorry, this is taking so long for me to get out. How do I learn from what Jesus did and follow in his example without winding up, you know, as he did, because that's not my purpose, right? Mm-hmm. He's already fulfilled that. And just kind of what I'm wrestling with as, as I think about this. Yeah. I hope that made sense. It, it does. And as, as you were talking and sitting here, um, this is one of the few times during our podcast where um, I'm actually going to say, I, I really feel very strongly about something when I didn't have an answer, but I do now. And, um, and that is just, uh, it's James one twenty seven, and James one twenty seven says religion that is pure undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. And, uh, I, I believe that that is something that God is calling us as Americans, as people who have more than we know what to do with, is we need to be doing more for the orphans and for the widows. And I think God is asking all of us, period, to do what we can to meet the needs of orphans and widows. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying you need to go out and adopt somebody. You need to become a foster parent. You need to, you know, but there are very practical things that we can do that will be sacrificial in the way that we live our life and inconvenient in the way that we live our life that will demonstrate God's love to to other, God's love to others and our obedience to him. And that could simply be giving uh, to an organization. Um, 
international justice mission is one that I'm very passionate about and I support. And they deal with both uh, widows just and orphans. Crazy stuff. And slavery I mean, that is going sex on. Sex traffic. Our, I mean, yeah. it's just seriously heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there are uh, kids in the state of Kansas where we are that desperately need foster parents. And I don't believe everybody is called to that. Uh, but I do believe that the body of Christ is called and so that is something very tangible um, that that we can do um, as believers. Um, you know, there's just that um, you, um, gosh, and I can't even remember where I saw this, but if you're not inconvenienced in your life by Jesus, then I'm not so sure that you're following Jesus. He kind of has this tendency to inconvenience us. And I think a very tangible way is what it's talking about in James 1.27. So this will be one of the few times where I'm like, uh, God has laid this on my heart and I'm going to share it. So you all do with it as you will, because you're not answerable to me. you got to answer to Jesus. <laughs> Um, and that last part was snarky. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of, you know, <laughs> please don't take me too seriously on that one because as I'm pointing a finger at you, three are coming back at me. Oh, God. Here we go. Uh, oh, man. All right. So you mentioned uh, International Justice Mission. Um, I like World Vision quite a bit. World Vision is wonderful. Um, we've been sponsoring a girl in Kenya. Um, for a while, and we just we just got a Christmas card in the mail because it obviously takes you know yeah forever <laughs> to get here, um, but it's just really neat to watch her get older, and it's like, it's like thirty five bucks a month or right. something, like it's not that much money. Um, but there there are just a bunch of practical ways that you can do things, and those those are like the big like grandiose change the world type. Um, things that you can do, but you know, hopefully your local church is involved in yes. missions, whether yep. it doesn't even have to be international. It can just be in your hometown, yep. helping kids get after school tutoring, making sure that they are fed, making sure that they have clothes. Yeah. And, and we live in one of the richest counties in the nation. Um, and, and there are still kids that don't have that stuff. Yeah. There are still kids that don't. Uh, get f three meals a day. And so, um, yeah, making sure that kids get uh, those meals. Um, you know, uh, there are homeless shelters. There are um, City Union Mission is one of the ones in Kansas City that's mm -hmm. really, really good. So, uh, yeah, just go out and find that sort of – well, and, and for that matter, um, you know, we have this we have this tendency to remove – uh, death from our culture. We don't like talking about death or looking at death. And one of the ways that we do that is we have these places that are called nursing homes and we send people there to go and die. And uh, that, uh, you know, is another thing that you can go do is go visit a nursing they're, home. They're desperate. My wife is an assistant director of an assisted living home and it's a super swanky, really expensive, you know, no, no expenses, you know, um, what's the line from, uh, Jurassic Park, no expenses spared or something mm -hmm. like that. But despite all that, the people that live there are desperate 
for connection and mm-hmm. for friends and for people to come visit. And, you know, I just, I, yeah, they, just because they're old doesn't mean they're not people. Like they are desperate for companions and for friends and for conversation mates and, and all of that stuff. So definitely. And and you can learn probably absolutely fascinating oh my things gosh. from these people. Yeah. The stories <laughs> that she comes home with, like one of the people that, that is living there is her husband was the first illustrator for Hallmark. So she has all these stories about what Kansas city was like back, you know, way back then. And, mm-hmm. you know, she had a guy that was a trampoline artist in a traveling circus and just all of these crazy stories and how Kansas city grew into what it is now. And it's just remarkable. Yeah. Add to that, the life lessons you might actually learn from them about mm-hmm. what it means to be a hard worker and a good spouse and a good parent might be worth your time yeah now saying that i should probably go do that considering my <laughs> wife works there and <sighs> well and, and and again it, it not to lay a guilt trip and it's not a um you you have to do this all the time and you, you can't it's not that you can't have your own life it's just is it always about you and only you and do you reach out to others and um, make an effort to, you know, because th- the other thing is, is I, I would venture to say that there are people in the nursing home. Well, I know there's people in the nursing home who need Jesus, you know, and and that they're probably um, ripe to hear the gospel. You know, they're at that stage of life where it's what's next for me. Where am I going to? What's what are going to be the consequences of my time here on this earth? And um, would like to hear, need to hear. Uh, the gospel shared with them. So anyway, didn't expect it to go that way, but there it is. Well, I just, I can't, when I read these passages where Jesus is just getting on these guys, I just can't help but feel the tug of, we we shouldn't ignore the fact that he's being that offensive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and, and I wrestle with how... You know, and and part of this is just kind of like wrestling against my my youth of being the nice guy and being taught to always be nice and respectful and, and you know good Christians are nice and and you know whatever else precious moments tells you uh, or back to the Mister Rogers image yeah of- exactly and and how how can I have that same tenacity for the truth today in a way that's not going to get me killed. And frankly, I don't think it's a bad thing for me not to want to get martyred. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, I Dave's Dave's all like super Christian and wouldn't mind being beheaded. I, see, I, I said, think frankly, I, I'd rather not go that route. I actually think it'd be really cool, and I know that sounds so morbid and so yeah, strange. But. We are gonna disagree hardcore on that one. Uh, no thanks. Mm-mm. Nope. So not yeah. even with a lightsaber. Nope. <laughs> So anyways, that, that's just, it just came from my, my brain of just trying to figure out how can I have that same tenacity and that same, uh, respect and defense for the truth today that Christ had back then, um, with people that think that, you know, they're right and I'm a lunatic. Mm -hmm. So fair enough. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 45, David. That works. Do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, you know, just uh, real quick, um, verse 42 
talks about the Queen of the South. And maybe I shouldn't even say this because I haven't, I'm really not 100% on this, but I believe that is referenced in 1 Kings 10 uh, when it talks about Queen of Sheba and the fame of Solomon. And I believe you were correct, sir. So um, that was the only, I guess, the only other piece I have. And I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think we need to, to delve into that or anything like that. But just um, if you're wondering about verse 42, which we didn't spend a lot of time on, take a look at First Kings 10. And I think it'll put some uh, perspective as to what's going on there. And I think it's a similar sort of story of convert of uh, the message with the Ninevites to the Pharisees in terms of, you know, here's another person that to a certain extent gets it better than you guys do and you better be aware. So that would be it for me. All right. Well, if you want to see all of our show notes, which I would suggest cause there's going to be a little Easter egg in there for you. Clever folks. And uh, you can go to to get to those uh, show notes. If you're listening on your phone, chances are if you scroll up, down, up, down, well, you, you push up on the screen <laughs> to scroll down from the artwork, the show notes should be there depending on your podcast app. But if you'd like to get to them uh, on your internet browser of choice, you can go to masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 45, and they'll be listed for you there in all of their splendor. Now, if you want to get in contact with either Dave or I, you can get Dave on Twitter at 10.8HBO, where 8 is the only number, and you can get me at Cam Brennan. Uh, we also have a uh, Twitter handle for the show, which is at MasterclassFM. Right, Dave? Is that how it goes? Yes. Yes, at Masterclass FM. We're professionals here, folks. <laughs> uh, if you've got more to say, then a tweet will allow, although Twitter is... Uh, I think soon to be expanding the character limit from 140 to, I think I saw something crazy like 10,000. 10,000 is what I saw. Which is just stupid. Now it's just public email. Um, Well, and that's it. I think there's, you got to be clever with the 147. Anyways, if you want to email us, you can do that. Masterclassfm at gmail.com. Does that sound right? I like it. (laughs) All right. That is episode 45. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with episode 46. Goodbye.